0: Hello, and welcome to the Mark Groves podcast. You know, recently, especially, but also not so recently, there's been a lot of interest and research in the area of psychedelics and MAPS, which is the Multidisciplinary Association for Psychedelic Studies, working with John Hopkins. I mean, there's a lot of really incredible studies going on in that arena to look at the healing the potential treatment of ptsd uh, i know psilocybin within cancer patients a book that i loved called stealing fire talks about these access to flow states and psychedelics uh, increasing problem solving even on micro doses paul stamets talks about stacking with lion's mane and psilocybin and niacin so all of these mentions to say, I'm not promoting the use of anything, but wanting to have a conversation on the podcast about these alternate ways of, or maybe enhanced ways of accessing healing and spiritual experiences that seem to be, that seem to increase our empathy and compassion And I also want to honor that you listening might have had a bad experience with drugs, be sensitive to the subject, perhaps with family or anything like that. And so I want to be mindful of that and say we're going to be talking about the exploration from a positive lens of how these things can be used. You know, I think this is a really interesting subject because formally it would have never been spoken of till academia validated it. You know, people have been talking about this for, I mean, a long time and different cultures have different sort of mechanisms of accessing these spiritual realms and breath work and all these different ways that we sort of connect to something greater than ourselves. And for me, I've tried psilocybin and quite a few times in my life and in the most recent part of my life with deep intention. And I've had incredibly profound experiences, incredibly healing experiences, incredibly insightful experiences. And in the research on what activates in the brain, it's so fascinating, like more interconnections between the left and right hemisphere, like just that parts of your brain light up and I remember quite a few of that good research that was fascinating was in Stealing Fire, which is a fantastic book. Paul Stamets is a researcher in this area. I've listened to his episode on Joe Rogan is fantastic. If you want to dive deeper into a little more exploratory knowledge, he is like one of the world's foremost experts in that subject. We also talk about Michael Pollan in this podcast. And I wanted to bring on someone who is for sure an expert in exploring this and just like an incredible human being and makes the subject so relatable. I've watched her journey over the last three or four years, and I've not only been inspired, but also my viewpoint has been broadened and my perspective. Just by being able to witness and observe and hear about someone else's journey, you know, through the possible healing magic of cannabis, CBD, and mushrooms. And the guest today, Jenny Sensusi, is the author of The Rebel's Apothecary. Gosh, that word, Oof, that's a tough one for me. The Rebel's Apothecary. And I'm so excited to have her on the podcast today so we can dive deeper into this subject that is. Just an important one to explore. This is not way promoting anything, but rather let's just be curious and inquire. All right, hot off the press. I got to tell you, Organifi has a new blend and it is chocolatey delicious. It's called Harmony and it is made for healthy hormones. It's designed for women. So it combines superfoods and adaptogens that have been used for centuries to support inner balance and bliss. With the ladies in mind, this blend is designed so you can feel your best and experience daily harmony. It's plant-based, it's gluten-free, it's vegan, it's dairy-free, it's soy-free, it's got cacao, maca, shatavari, stinging nettle, ginger, turmeric, coconut milk, chaste tree. I mean, it sounds delicious, it is delicious, I've tasted it, it's chocolatey delicious, so you can't go wrong. And it's designed for healthy hormones to use during your menstrual cycle. So there you go. Go to organifi.com/create the love to save 20% and get free shipping, and that is special to create the lovers on top of the 20%. So go to organifi.com/create the love. And before we get started, a reminder, wherever you listen to this, if you could subscribe to it and give it a five-star review and a written review, that is super helpful to get it in other people's ears, is that if this episode or any other one has really struck you and really moved you, please share it and tag me on Instagram or wherever you might share it. And without further ado, here's Jenny Sansusi. We are diving deeper into the ether of humanity, I think. I don't know what's actually going to happen on this episode yet, but I'm really excited about what's going to happen because the conversations I've had with Jenny Sans- Sansousi, uh before have always led to the depths of humanity and consciousness and all the things. And so I'm so excited to have you here. Welcome.
1: Thank you for having me. I'm so psyched to have this conversation with you.
0: Yeah, you know, when you're like about to have a combo and you're like setting a high standard because you're like, this combo is going to be mindfuckery. Let's do no it. No pressure. No pressure. Right. Mark. <laughs> right. Um, well, it's partially or mostly my responsibility to make sure that happens now because I said it. Uh, All right. I'm it's on you. I'm, I've really loved following your journey since we met sort of serendipitously through friends and just what you've been doing in the world. I've been. Curious to learn more about because I've seen the collective conversation. And you know, I will acknowledge the bias that I have in my own world, but my experience of the collective conversation from a wellness perspective, too, is this leaning towards um, let's say, more historic or more natural remedies or possibilities that are without leaning on this uh sort of uh one pill or pill fixes all allopathic pathway, which of course, there's obviously a place for that. But I think as a collective, we've sort of leaned on that to rescue us from, from what is mostly internal work. And so I've been really excited to see like your book that came out and to see the work that you've been doing and, and really want for you, the listener, to be able to hear more about what Jenny's up to and, and the pathway to what got you there.
1: Yeah, thank you. Um it's a it's a world that I never expected to dive into at all. My book, it's a it focuses on cannabis and medicinal mushrooms and the the healing properties of those plants and that is something, you know, I've been in the wellness and nutrition world for many many years. I started writing about wellness, um, on my blog around 2008. So, and I went through a, you know, a nutrition program and I've always been really interested in sort of how can we feel as good as possible? How can we enhance different areas of our lives and, you know, personal development and food has had a huge, you know, part in that. I never thought I'd focus on what many people classify as, you know, recreational drugs or illicit drugs, right? Um, because you know, I quit drinking back in two thousand seven, and that kind of is what started me on my path of wellness. And when I quit drinking, I also quit using any, you know, recreational drugs. And I never thought I'd have any reason to revisit them at all. I just right. kind of wrote wrote them off. Like, I used to smoke weed in college. I did mushrooms a few times in college. All of it was recreational. It wasn't therapeutic. I mean, I guess you can say that any of that, any of that c- could be therapeutic. But yeah, I just never thought I would uh, ever visit it again. And then when I, basically the way that it all started is my dad got diagnosed with stage four pancreatic cancer back in 2017. And when that happened, you know, that's, that's a huge before and after moment in your life. Mm -hmm. You know, when you, when you get that kind of diagnosis or someone you love gets that diagnosis, it's, um, it's shocking to the whole system. And I, you know, after the initial shock of that subsided, I dove right into research mode. I love researching. I'm like a total nerd on, you know, PubMed, always wanting to learn as yeah, much same. as possible. Yeah. Wow. And so, and with all of my knowledge that I had gained in the nutrition and wellness world, you know, I had worked for a functional medicine doctor for a number of years in, in Manhattan and learned a lot about diet and lifestyle and supplements and herbs and plants and how different things can help us. And, you know, I have a lot of people that I know in that world, you know, doctors and health coaches and nutrition experts. And so I I thought, you know, my dad is going to go down the conventional medicine route for his cancer. Um, That's a definite. And, you know, he's not he's not one that's going to try just like juice cleansing. You know, he's going to he's going to do what the doctors recommend. And I thought, okay, he's going to do this. How can I best support him? There must be something I can do to help him that is you know more on the holistic side, more on the alternative medicine side. I had no idea what that was going to be, but I wanted to not only Possibly help with his cancer, but I really wanted to help him with the chemotherapy side effects, which are very often debilitating for people. And Mm -hmm. a lot of times, people's immune systems can't even handle the chemotherapy. You know, so at least not for a lot of 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 sessions. And so a lot of people that that are going through a really intense chemotherapy regimen end up, you know, getting sicker from the chemotherapy and and not being able to handle it. And then their bodies start to break down, and it's it's not a good scene. So I, you know, my dad is is one of the most important people in my life and who it's a uh, it makes me emotional to to talk about it because it's um i i just wanted to do anything anything that i could to help him so yeah. i dove into this world of research and i looked up you know anecdotal stories i looked up research and talked to doctors and talked to everybody that i knew and cannabis you know medicinal cannabis like medical marijuana and And medicinal mushrooms, not psychedelic mushrooms, but, you know, a class of mushrooms that are considered medicinal, that aren't like your everyday culinary mushrooms, but um, they have therapeutic benefits to them. Those kept coming up over and over and over, not only in conversation, but in the research that I was doing. And um i kept I kept seeing this over and over. and so my dad and I were looking up this information, and we thought, why don't we give it a try? Why don't we start an at-home regimen of you know medical marijuana and medicinal mushrooms? And we got him started on a regimen that I just put together based on all of my research that I had found. And you know, I helped him figure out the dosing of it and everything. and he it's now three and a half years later. he's still feeling great. and three and a half years for stage four pancreatic cancer. Wow. it's like, yeah really insane. You know, it's not typically something that you see and his doctors are all like you're doing remarkable. Um his nurse recently told him that he is her longest living patient, which is a really sobering thing to hear, you know, um, it just really shows you like how devastating that disease is. So with the cannabis and mushrooms, what we first started to see with him is that his side effects from the chemotherapy started to go away. So the nausea, um, you know, the appetite loss, the, there was pains that went away. There's so many different things that can happen when you, when you're on, on chemo. And, And those started to lift. And so that was a huge deal for him. Because one of the things is if you have nausea, and you lose your appetite, and you're not eating, like that's not good for your healing, you know, you need, you need food. So that's something that a lot of cancer patients struggle with a lot. And cannabis specifically helps that the medicinal mushrooms are extremely supportive to the immune system. So that is how I believe he's been able to withstand I think over 70 rounds now of a really strong chemotherapy. Some people can't make it more than like 8 to 12, you know, which is, yeah, which is sad. And so I've learned that using the combination of conventional medicine and the cannabis and mushrooms at home, you can really get this, you know, I guess more holistic treatment. And, you know, it's also been shown that the cannabis and mushrooms could help the chemotherapy work better because your immune system is stronger and you're able to withstand the medicine in the chemotherapy. So it's actually able to help you for a longer amount of time. Um, It's really been incredible. So, that was kind of how I started to dive into these topics. And I started to write about them on my blog and post about it on social media because when I first looked up stage four pancreatic cancer, uh, there was nothing positive to find. There was no, I was like, I should not have Googled that. That was like not a good idea. And I was like, He's doing so well. Like the very least I can do is put so- something up on the internet so when someone googles stage 4 pancreatic cancer they might find something good, you know. I just yes. wanted to be able to have people to find something hopeful. That was really important to me because I was like I want to write and share what I would have hoped to find, you know, when I was in that. And this is, you know, obviously it's happening every day. People are getting these um these cancer diagnoses and and starting to Google. And I wanted to be able to put something positive out there for them. So that is, so I started blogging, I put it on Instagram. And then a friend of mine sent my blog over to a book agent. And she was like, I, you know, I, w- I would love for her to write a book about this. So I had a conversation with the agent. She's like, would you be willing to, to write a book and, and share these things with a bigger audience? And of course, you know, how could I say no to that? Cause I, at that time I was getting messages every day on Instagram and, and in my email inbox, um, people asking for personal help and for more details. And I was spending a lot of time on the phone with people, walking people through dispensaries. People were texting me. Cause like, these are people that are either cancer patients or caregivers. And I'm like, I've been there. And the biggest saving grace for me was people who were willing to get on a call or willing to, um walk me through it hold my hand through it and so i i just kept doing that with people and i was like okay this is kind of unsustainable you know to be like answering every single instagram message and like giving people my phone number and telling them being like show me a picture of what you're seeing at the dispensary and all you know and i was like instantly writing i was like whoa so with writing the book i was like okay everything everything is in here that i've researched and more you know so i can just hand people that book or direct people to that resource instead of um doing all these one-on-one things. And, um, so that, that has been a huge shift and, um, for the better. So that's, that's kind of the long story of how it
0: all came to be. Wow. I mean, I can only imagine that when people are in that space of, like, I remember my dad was diagnosed with colon cancer years ago now. And, you know, as you said, the first thing you do is like, want to understand more about it and want to know, Like, what's the fastest way to heal? Like, how do we make this not uncertain anymore, not hard anymore? How do I help my family member or myself? And then you're dropped into the sea of literally an ocean full of thoughts, negativity. I mean, I used to be a rep in the space of oncology and hematology. And when I was in oncology, I remember pancreatic cancer, you know, is one of the most deadly. And so you know, as you said, when you look it up, you're not, you know, it's hard to land on optimism and to know that you're writing your experience, what you've created from this space has offered people that. And then to be able to write a book, to be able to offer people that, because I would, I can only imagine what it was like to get inundated with DMs and desires for hope and answers. And you're just like, I don't have the capacity to answer everyone, but I want to answer everybody. Yeah. And so, exactly. thank you for writing that and and putting your work into that space.
1: Yeah, I mean it's a it's a lot of it is a lot of work to write a book, but I think I I hope it was worth it. Yeah,
0: <laughs> I'm sure really, it is. Yeah. It helps one person, and you right, know, exactly, it is. And i I think what's so challenging from the human lens perspective about being able to begin to look, I think we can look at let's call quote unquote medicinal mushrooms we can look at those because we're familiar with eating culinary mushrooms like reishi or um you know i guess you know what is it paul stamen says every mushroom is medicinal in some way except for what is the kind that he says portobello's it's the portobello yeah, mushroom. Exactly. oh yeah, i surprised
1: yeah, yeah that's yeah. a that's i wrote about that in the book too yeah people are always wondering about those
0: yeah because of course people i remember when he was on joe rogan's podcast and it was like portobello's and he's like I don't want to talk about this anymore, and everyone's like, "What the <laughs> fuck is wrong with portobellos?" So hold on, because people are listening, they're going to be like, yeah. "What's wrong with portobellos?" Whenever I look at a portobello, and someone's like, "I had a portobello mushroom burger," and I'm like, "Way to eat a rocket." So, do you want to explain? Why? <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. It's so funny because I I heard that on Joe Rogan's podcast too, and I was like, "What was that?" Because he was like, "I cannot disclose that information." <laughs> it was like this, and, and, Joe, and Joe was like, Joe, "Joe was like, okay, like." <laughs>
0: We're talking um, so about a call yeah. That was funny. I know. So like, he's, yeah. Sorry, go on.
1: That's okay. I like scoured Reddit to find. I would like Me too. Inter- Reddit I is like. <laughs> so we probably found the same thing. Yeah. Like Reddit. Reddit is the other place that I always go to just like find anecdotal stories and, and information from people. Mm-hmm. But. So, I found out through Reddit, and I, I basically what it is it's is—it's—it's not that there's something like really wrong with portobellos, but they have a compound in, in them called agaritine, and they're also in button mushrooms and creminis. And they're actually all the same species, just at different ages buttons, then creminis, then portobellas. Oh, the, that's the interesting. Caps. I know, isn't that, I that didn't like know blew that. my mind? Yeah. Wow. So, there's a compound in them called agaritine, and unless it's cooked down really well, it's potentially carcinogenic. So, you know, Dr. Andrew Weil talks about this and he said, it's, it's unknown how much of a concern that it really should be. But in general, if you're going to eat those mushrooms, it's best to have them cooked well, you know, sauteed or just like cooked, um, cooked down. And I think it's, so I don't think it's like, you know, the most terrible thing to eat these mushrooms, but there's, there's some speculation around that.
0: Yeah. I remember listening to that though. and, And what you were saying about Joe's response was like, we were just talking about some fucking culinary mushrooms. And now you're like, I'm going to get murdered by the CIA kind of response. Right.
1: I know. I don't know why, why Paul Stamets had that, um, said that in that way. Maybe there's like, I don't know, big, big mushroom, like big pharma, but big mushroom. I don't know. I don't know who, like, what, what was that reason? But I do think it's uh, because of the agaritine compound inside those mushrooms.
0: So yeah, like thinking about the idea that we're sort of normalized at least to the possibility that a mushroom one can taste good and also be healing and i think we all we're seeing that real big movement of like lion's mane and and all the things and then the other side with marijuana is that we've been all socialized depending on our age to depending where we live too that it's the war on drugs and marijuana is the gateway to that and there's you know i think when we look historically they like made marijuana i watched that documentary 13 which i think everyone mm-hmm. should watch but about how the war on drugs was really like one the war on 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 black people and also on uh new age thinkers like uh people who were smoking marijuana and really challenging the system and thinking and hippies you know and, and And being anti-war and anti, and again, no matter where you, the listener might be on this, it's just interesting to be able to hold the complexity of that being a socializing factor, because I know so many people who, like I have a friend who's Mexican, whose family member was uh, abducted, kidnapped by the cartel. So they're very against any form of drug or thought or conversation about drugs. So, you know, I have to be mindful that there's a sensitivity about that for you, the listener. I acknowledge that. And that doesn't negate the possible uh, healing benefits of these things, especially, you know, that CBD is not psychoactive. And what's interesting, like in Canada, when you come into Canada, you have to declare, but I would say no one should even bring in a CBD product because who knows you could get in a lot of trouble. And it's like, have we not caught up enough on these laws that what's interesting now is the studying of cannabis and psilocybin in places like John Hopkins and for, uh, PTSD and, and, and treating mental, mental health. And now we're like, Oh, okay. I want to learn about it because these academic places that have been socially validated are doing it, even though this, and there's money being made off cannabis, immense amounts of money. And there's people sitting in prison for cannabis crimes, which you, I mean, I don't know how anyone could not see that as, as pretty bad. So yeah. Yeah, it's, I think, like, it's interesting for us to be able to manage the possibility that something that has been made illegal could also offer some benefits to us from a healing modality. Do you know what I mean? I know I just sort of oh, word bomb. T-
1: no, totally, totally. There's so much in there. And there's so many, you know, the the, the thing is... That I heard someone say this, and I can't remember who said this, so I apologize to whoever said this, but um, legalization follows medicalization, right? So once like mm. the medical benefits and the studies start to come out and doctors are actually able to prescribe things, that's when things the legalization starts to shift, and that's also when the stigma starts to shift, right? We're seeing it happen with psychedelics too. Yeah, so once like psychedelics are legal in a therapeutic setting and a doctor can actually hand you a pill instead of you like getting your own mushrooms and grinding them up, then the stigma starts to just naturally shift because people trust doctors and they trust the medical system for better or worse. You know, there's I'm not against conventional medicine at all, but there you know, there's there's other there's other ways to look at it. But I think that's how the stigma will shift once once people once doctors and um, are able to really use them and people are able to see the benefits on a on a wider scale.
0: Yeah. So for people listening, what would be like if you're in that adventure? One, I think obviously buying your book is a good way to Mm -hmm. begin to like begin the adventure of trying to understand that more. What are some of the benefits? What are, yeah. So like maybe for someone listening, if they're like, oh, I I have an autoimmune or I have something and haven't found solutions for it or Mm -hmm. traditional, or I want to cure it or whatever it might be. yeah. What are some um, maybe tips that you can offer?
1: Yeah, well, I think if you're dealing with an autoimmune condition, like my biggest tip would be to work with a naturopathic doctor and make sure you do work with someone that has experience with plants and herbs. But one thing that if you're really just let's say you're just trying to support your immune system, you know, during this time, it's like such a hot topic to support your immunity, right? Looking into I mean, there's lots of different things that I that I wrote about in the book. But I mean, the focus is is cannabis and medicinal mushrooms. But the medicinal mushrooms, um, there's seven of them that I write about in the book. And those are a really good place to start if you're looking to just support your general wellness and your immune system and a host of other different things like your energy your focus your mood there's the so all of the mushrooms do different things so if you wanted to start with medicinal mushrooms you could start with a blend of medicinal mushroom medicinal mushrooms and like throw them into a smoothie some of the ones that we're talking about are chaga reishi turkey tail lion's mane Maitake, shiitake and cordyceps. I think those are those are mm. all the ones that I that I cover. And then I and then I talk about psilocybin mushrooms too, which are the psychedelic ones which we'll get to um, a little later, but those medicinal mushrooms are all super supportive to the immune system. They all have these compounds called beta glu- beta glucans that um, that work with our immune system to kind of normalize the immune system and like balance it. They don't necessarily stimulate the immune system, but they um, sort of like an adaptogen for the immune system. They'll kind of keep you in homeostasis or balance. So that's a good place to start with medicinal mushrooms um, is just to get some of the powders. Like they have really good drink elixirs, you know, Four Sigmatic has, has really easy ones to start with where you Can just rip open the little packet and throw it into your coffee or throw it into a smoothie. My favorite one to start with, which I think is a really good foundational mushroom, is Chaga. Um, It's really grounding and it's really, it's got a lot of antioxidants and, and, you know, again, really good for the immune system. So if you're wanting to just start with one, that's the one that I would start with. Um, but depending on what your what your goal is, you know, um, lion's mane is amazing for focus. I use that a lot for work. Cordyceps is awesome for energy. A lot of athletes use it. Um, helps with like oxygen in the body and blood flow. It's really good for sex drive. Um, so that's that's cordyceps. Um, shiitake has is, is been shown to be an amazing antiviral. So you could just start to eat more shiitakes. That's another really easy way to start with mushrooms. I eat shiitakes like almost every day, probably. They're so good. Yeah, Um, so there's all different kinds of things you can you can do with the mushrooms, but um, with as far as cannabis, if you're starting with CBD, the main reasons that people are using CBD are anxiety, pain, and sleep. Those are probably the top three. Um, So if you're depending on what kind of relief, I think it's really important for people to get clear on like what kind of relief they're looking for, because people say, "Oh, it took CBD and it didn't do anything," or "I tried a mushroom and it didn't do anything." It's like, are you clear on? Wh- how you were feeling before, and what you're actually looking for. I think that's really important. Um, so if you're wanting to, if you're wanting to start with it, and you've never tried CBD before, I would start probably using a tincture like an oil tincture because it's very easy to accurately dose um if you're inhaling or taking an edible or something like that or taking a capsule even um it's hard to know how much your body is going to be absorbing but if you're taking a tincture and you just put it under your tongue you can dose it out in like five milligrams 10 milligrams 25 milligrams Mm -hmm. put under your tongue wait 15 20 minutes see how you feel you know 30 minutes maybe and see you know has your anxiety level decreased at all are you able to you know fall into a sleep easier is, is, has your pain subsided, and um, so a tincture is a really good place to start with CBD. But if you have any specific things you want to know about this, please chime in because I'll just keep going. <laughs>
0: well, well, all of that, I was just like, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. I I think what's interesting with things like, as you said, edibles or when we're entering that cannabis space is that possibility of getting a totally different dose than. And then getting greened out and not having a positive yes, experience.
1: Exactly. With edibles, you know, when it passes through the digestive system and the liver, it actually convert the TH, if there's any THC in your edible, THC, for those who don't know, is a compound in cannabis that makes you feel high. So if you have a CBD product without any THC in it at all, you should not feel a high. But if there is any THC in it, even the slightest amount, and it's an edible form, it converts to this compound called 11-hydroxy THC, which is a stronger high than THC, which you're not going to get if you, you if you you know use a tincture or you inhale. Um, but once it goes through your digestive system, yes, yeah. So that's why you like will eat an edible, and you're like, oh, I only ate half of this hot cookie. And then like two hours later, you're just like laying on the floor. (laughs) Um, it's because it actually delivers a stronger high.
0: Yeah. I remember when I did a, I don't do THC anymore because when I feel like the more sober I've gotten from anything, uh, it just like was like playing whack-a-mole with the things that pull you away from presence. But what I Mm. found is when really My last one is sugar's gone. Caffeine, no problem. Got rid of that. Uh, Drinking I did a couple years ago. Yeah. Now I can have a coffee like once a week and it's not a big deal. I don't depend on it to wake up, but man, I still have decaf because I love the ritual. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But with THC, what I found is I didn't do it very often, but sometimes I do an edible, you know, and uh, or maybe smoke weed just a little bit, like maybe once a month or something. But what I found was that as soon as i was more present to all these other things i wasn't doing my anxiety it was like i would get anxious from it to a place where i think in a lot of ways because as i was more sensitized to sort of presence in life i was also thinking a lot about death and it mm-hmm. was like about humanity and this was also coinciding with uh the the experience of the coronavirus And so really like wanting to be present, you have to have all your faculties now, you know, like you can't take on all the information and really manage your cortisol levels and your immune system. Like you were talking about ways to improve your immune system, which when you look at the way that social media has managed that, or the government has managed that there's not been, there's been almost zero information about how to improve immune systems when that is the most important defense against any virus. And the second part that it's been censored. And even conversations about vitamin D and vitamin C and all things that ugh, man, it's just <laughs> that all that stuff to me has been really interesting. Cause as a former pharma rep, you kind of go like, how can people not fuel the thought that industry affects marketing and affects what messages we're hearing. Like it just makes me feel totally gaslit when I see those types of things censored. And so I appreciate you mentioning that because there are things we can do to minimize our stress, et cetera.
1: Yeah, I mean, the censorship thing is is totally out of control. I personally got um, banned from advertising my book on any platform. So I can't advertise on Facebook. I can't like buy f- Facebook ads, Instagram serious? ads, Amazon ads, none of it. I've been banned because um, because my book promotes illegal substances. So I can't. So yeah, so that to me is like, ridiculous. Like I, I've written in appeals like um, this is a book about wellness and, and helping caregivers and cancer patients and people who are trying to support their immune system. And it's like nothing about I don't use THC either. If I use THC, it's like literally in the smallest amount in my in my CBD, because CBD actually works better with a little bit of THC in there. It's called the entourage effect. So they kind of boost each other up. So if you have a little bit, but not enough to like get high. But anyway, so I'm not promoting, um, you know, recreational drug use at all in the in the book. But yeah, it's it's kind of it's really crazy. The censorship is um, it's concerning. So it's like the only way the only thing we can do is like, you know, what we're doing now is just like spread the word and in whatever way we can want well, to have life. conversations about it,
0: you know, right. of course we're not saying like, go buy a bunch of weed and smoke right. Smoke it and then go to <laughs> 7-Eleven and buy chips. like, Or, you know, or even saying that sometimes marijuana can't be a gateway. Like, that's not what we're saying. I would say that if it is a gateway, it's due to unresolved other things that it's covering up. And, yes. you know, so much of our trauma, of course, if we have an unresolved trauma, and that can be defined by anyone's own experience of their own pain and suffering. It's like, of course, anything we, you know, it's like Gabor Mate says, you know, we often ask why the addiction when the real question is why the pain.
1: Mm, That's so good. And like so much of what's going on with psychedelics, I think too, you know, like really getting to the root issue.
0: Well, and, and, and I think that speaks to another thing because we've sort of seen this movement towards things like ayahuasca and psilocybin. And as you said, uh, what did you say? Legalization follows medicalization, Medicalization, yeah, which is really true. So it's hard to argue with that one. And because we're watching it occur real time, this movement that's starting to recognize this movement that's gone towards uh, real deep psychological exploration or this sort of it feels to me as though, and as I was saying earlier, like the collective is, is wanting to have these conversations, but the collective, which is made up of the individual is seeking to heal something to like, sort of follow the breadcrumbs of like, I have something that I want to find the answer to. And I think a lot of that can be inherited patterns of behavior and drama and, and communication and relationship. And we're like seeking it. And there's something I want to say we're sort of intuitively drawn to the sort of mystical nature, and I think that's our draw to the idea of God or the idea Mm. of the unknown, is that there's something, how do I heal what is seemingly untouchable by going to what is un? tangible, intangible. Ooh. Do you know what I mean? Ooh,
1: that's, oh, that's so good. And you speak to something that is the reason why so many people are drawn to, you know, herbal medicines or cannabis or mushrooms, or it's because they've been failed by the medical system, right? It's because they've tried so many right. things. They've tried the, the antidepressants and the anti-anxiety drugs and the whatever different therapies they've tried and they, and it hasn't worked. I mean, for some people, of course it works, but for a lot of people, it doesn't. A lot of people try these medications and it does. not not get to the cause, the root issue. So maybe it will blunt some of the effects of it, but it doesn't um, clear it up. And so once people start to think like, oh, there might be another way. That's what I really love that moment where someone realizes that there might be another way, you know, Mm -hmm. like I always think about, you know, Alice in Wonderland and the moment of like, when you touch the mirror and realize you can step through it, it's like, reality isn't what i thought it was you know like there's actually another way to look at this that i never would have known and it's like my favorite feeling in life right when you're like oh oh," and something flips and so that's why a lot of people get get attracted to these kinds of remedies because they have that moment of like oh i've been looking at the world in one way for so long and i thought these things were like bad or illegal Right, right and then you're like oh you know shit this might um this might be another way to look at things. And you, you kind of go through a transformation during that
0: process. Well, I think that's why the, you know, we might often the subject matter I might talk about is relational, but that's only because the, we're as humans, we're sort of most willing to look at our shit from a love perspective. Like, like we all sort of have been socialized to want this Disney sort of idea, but there's something innately in our souls that we're like drawn to connection with other people. And that's also on a very biological level. So there's like a real deep desire that my desire for love is is greater than my desire for my own bullshit or my desire to tolerate or stay in an unhealed experience. And I think relationally, that rock bottom is most often met and most often creates a willingness, but we can meet it, with money and a loss of purpose and losing our job and going bankrupt or having a rock bottom from like a drug perspective, we sort of think of it that way. And Mm. what I found really fascinating relationally is if you start, if you're listening to this podcast, you already do it, which is you're starting to question is what I taught is what I was taught about relationship actually conducive to having a healthy relationship. And, uh, you start to realize that it often isn't that the like ways you saw your parents handle conflict is not constructive, that everyone stays in love and stays together forever. That's a total crock of shit. And so when you wake up to those realities, you can't help but start to question other realities. And like Mm -hmm. you said, you poke your finger through the mirror and you realize the mirror is actually a gateway. And I, I love that because I was sitting the other day just thinking to myself, like, imagine if I didn't believe that time was linear. I often go into that sort of mm-hmm. thought when I'm meditating. And I was sitting the other day on a grass hill and I was thinking to myself, my parents, uh, my childhood home's for sale right now by the owners. And my parents sent me the listing and, and it was really sort of neat and, and, and nostalgic to see the house as it is mm-hmm. today, et cetera. And I remember a moment of me like sitting on a hill as a kid uh, in the park by our house. And I just thought, like, can I be there now too? Mm. And like, in my body, in that moment. And I remember talking to a guy named Jesse Elder and him saying to me, like, it, it, all of us think time is on a string. And he said, but imagine if time is a football field. And I'm Drake, you know, you know, all about what I'm talking about here. And he was like, where every moment actually occurs at the same time. And so what is actually a memory is actually you with one foot in another moment.
1: Mm, oh my God. I love that you're right. going into this right now. It makes me so excited um, because I think that's one of the things that psilocybin mushrooms have taught me is sort of the interconnectedness of not only all of us as humans, which I mean, sounds so cliche to be like, we are all one. But when you do psychedelics or you, you take this, I mean, I'll just you know, specifically talk about psilocybin because that's what I have the experience with. You have this sort of f- feeling that, yes, reality isn't what we think it is. Time isn't what we think it is. Everything is much more connected. The veil is thinner than we think. And it can really send you down a whole rabbit hole of... um of, yeah, a lot. So like, it's really easy to go like really out there. Like I have a tendency to go so deep into this stuff that I'm starting to question everything and I have to work to stay grounded. So, um, so you have, you know, you need a good, you need a good mix of both, right. Where you're like doing human stuff and then also questioning, um, the constructs, you know?
0: Well, as science sort of catches up in a lot of ways, you know, to that, I, I think that's that is so interesting to think of like what we are calling other dimensions or through physics and, and this exploration of like when you actually observe, uh, they have a particle just behave without being observed. It behaves differently than when they observe it. And that observer effect is so fascinating. It's like that philosophical thought about like if a cat is in a box and if – is the cat dead? Is the cat – the cat is only dead if someone witnesses the cat is dead, which is really mm-hmm. Interesting. I think like when we start to get our minds start to go in those places, often they get so twisted. It's too much because it creates too much dissonance. And I remember saying to Gangaji, who's a spiritual teacher, I remember asking her, like, my mind feels like it's going to fracture trying to understand these things. And she said to me, the mind cannot understand what it is created within. And I was like, oh, Lord, like my oh. brain fractured from that, but it also felt validated
1: that is like one of the the first time i ever did a uh, large dose of psilocybin and went on a real mystical journey that was the main thing it had me in tears because i was like i will never as a human understand what this is, this is so much bigger right. than I will ever be able to comprehend. And just like the magnitude, of, magnitude of that was so um, emotional for me because I was like, "There is so much more than we know here. There's so much more." And you know, I know that I'm committed to exploring it for the rest of my life, and I will never figure it all out. But it is a worthwhile um, journey to go on. I think.
0: Yeah. I think like for me, I did psilocybin in my like twenties and it was very much from a recreational perspective. Um, I would say though, that it was mystical and miraculous in so many ways because you do, you know, I don't know. Have you ever seen that study that's done on inmates and they, when they're released they, if they have one psilocybin experience, they're like, what is it? Like 67% less likely to ever reoffend?
1: Right. To do this, something to like that. Right? Repeat the same crime. Yeah. It's amazing.
0: Right. Because and they they report as it being because they felt a sense of a collective like if yes. I do that, I'm hurting.
1: Right. Enough. Right. Right. You can almost feel like you feel the pain of humanity in some instances, at least that, that's that been my experience. And, you know, it's um, and. Talking about relationships, I mean, it's one of the biggest reasons why I have dabbled in um, in the psychedelics is because I uh, to heal relationships. And one of my biggest, one of the first, the first time I did it when I had this like crazy mystical experience, I was trying to heal a specific relationship, and I was like, "Show me the true nature of this relationship, because this relationship is really, it's really, really rocking me to my core, like none other had." And I went in and was like, "Please heal my heart, show me the true nature of this, and what I felt." was such a such a feeling of that we're all coming from the same place not only the same place but we are the same energy like the same you know not to get like too out there and weird but like the same you know, divine energy, if you want to call it that is running through all of us. So it's like, you're not even separate from this person. And that feeling was extremely healing in itself. I was like, I don't, even if I never connect with this person again in this lifetime, in this body, I have that knowingness now. And I feel it in my bones,
0: you know? Yeah. There's something sacred about Mm. like, you start to see that the window of relationship is a window to the divine. Mm. And I remember hearing David Data say that, uh, and no matter how you feel about his work, this was a good, saying. In, in he talks more about the masculine and feminine, wrote the book, The Way of the Superior Man, amongst others for, for you listening. And he's got some really phenomenal insight into those sort of the masculine and feminine, not being gender, but rather energetics. And I remember him saying that the first form of relationship is I need you. Like mm-hmm. I need you, you complete me sort of messaging. The second one is I don't need you and I don't need anybody. Like I'm fine. And if I happen to stumble upon a relationship, I'll take it. But I don't, Mm -hmm. you know, I don't, I don't need any of that. Mm -hmm. And then the third type is through you. I find me, I find God. And, and my experience of certainly that invitation has has been in all of my relationships into like, what is unhealed within me, what I'm afraid of, what, um, what my partner is offering to me in service of my, development at 19, I never would have said the feedback from my girlfriend was in offering to the best <laughs> evolution of me. I would just thought she was complaining, uh, you know, and that yeah. shows you the window of maturity. But of course there's i I'm sure a 19 year old listening who is way ahead of where I was at 19 mm-hmm. and to now be in relationship with Kylie and to really experience that, like, when she gives me feedback i don't always like it i don't always want it but it's always coming from a place of making me a better inviting me to step into being a better human and and you know i think the perspectives from psilocybin have really broadened that i don't i don't want to say that it's not available through other avenues you know like right. reading stealing fire uh, mm. where they talk about all these ways we can find flow states
1: 100%. Yeah, I think psychi- one of the things that I realized, yeah, psychedelics are – like you said, a portal to this information relationships are are also a portal. You know there's so many things that we can do to meditation to get us into a state where we're better able to receive this information and open up and kind of get into that flow. Of course, psychedelics are not the only way. it's almost just kind of like a fast track there, you know because there's no choice yeah. once, you're, once you're on that journey, you're there, and the stuff is going to come up, and the unhealed things in relationships are just going to come up. Um, so it's kind of like, you go in there and you're like, I'm not sure exactly what I'm going to experience in here, but I'm going to experience it. And you have no choice because you're in, um, so much, (laughs) so much unhealed relationship stuff can come up and you're like, wait, that person is like still in my system. Like that energy is still in my body. Okay. Got to work that out. I've Um, had that. Yeah. Where I
0: I felt called to reach out to people to, to like repair or reconcile. Mm -hmm. That I thought were seemingly over or done or dealt with. Exactly.
1: I'm like, that was from like 2004. Like that's still there? Crap. Yeah.
0: I had a couple of fours, a couple of ones, you know? (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> exactly. But that's one of the reasons why I'm so interested in in psilocybin is because you know they're doing all of these studies on treatment-resistant depression, which is depression that hasn't responded to the conventional methods of treating it. And so many people are finding relief from their depression for like 3 to 6 months, which you know if you think about the implications of that, like having to do a psilocybin session every three to six months is completely different than taking an antidepressant every single day. And with those psilocybin sessions, you are potentially like healing some of the root causes of that depression rather than just blunting the effects of it. And I think the most interesting thing is kind of the blend of science and spirituality because, right, there's the stuff that's happening in the brain with psilocybin. There's all this neurogenesis happening, like new neurons, new connections in the brain. I'm sure you've probably seen like pictures of a brain, a normal brain, and then a brain on psilocybin. There's all these connections. It's totally lit up, right? There's all these parts of our brain talking to each other that weren't talking to each other before, um, and then, you know, there's it's also working with the serotonin receptors and there's, you know, the default mode network, which I'm sure you're familiar with, which is kind of
0: share for um, the user for the listener, Yeah. Though, because yeah. The default mode.
1: Like- yeah. The default mode network is um, something that it, it's the part of the brain that's responsible for kind of rumination and ego and like thinking about yourself and worrying and all of that. And the psilocybin deactivates that default mode network. So you're much more open. You're much less self-concerned. You look at yourself in a new way. You look at life in a new way. So all of these are kind of like the biological aspects, which they're still studying. Like the jury is still out on how exactly psilocybin is working in the brain for depression. But there's that part which is cool and that's great science medical stuff awesome but then there's the mystical part and the part that's really going getting in there and healing some of these wounds and these traumas and these stuck energies we have in our bodies and the the connection to this kind of divine energy and the expansion of consciousness if you want to call it that all of that is also happening to to do the healing so to me that's i think that's the coolest thing about it is that there's this whole blend of Of biological factors and spiritual factors, like really all working together to, um, to not only change your brain, but to, to heal the root causes of, of depression. That's amazing to me. And the other thing that's so awesome about like the research they're doing with psilocybin right now is they're studying it with, um, end of life anxiety and existential anxiety. And that in itself, like, especially for people who are terminally ill, um, they're, they've been studying it with cancer patients who are terminally, terminally ill, and these people no longer are fearing death, you know, and that's like, think about how huge that is. Like, that's it's so a huge cool. deal. I know I think about death completely differently now after my experiences with it. And so for people to have that, it's such a gift at the end of your life to not only be like, not afraid of death, but maybe, um, in some ways looking forward to what might be beyond and what might be, you know the reality we all we we don't know what it is but if if you can alleviate that that's that's huge just you know for humans it's a big deal yeah
0: it's almost like because when i remember when i have done it as a i'll call myself an adult quote unquote (laughs) uh when i've done it with intention where you know i like before i even have it i set an intention and then i enter that gateway And I put on like the, on Spotify, there's that John Hopkins psilocybin Mm -hmm. list. There's a couple other psilocybin playlists. I listen to to East Forest. Oh, East Forest, right?
1: Like They have that album, Music for
0: Mushrooms. What's it called? Spores?
1: Spores. So Spores is the shorter version. It's like an hour, but Music for Mushrooms is like six hours long. And that's the like lengthened version of Spores. And that's the one that's kind of designed for a a big journey.
0: Yeah, it's so good. It's so incredible. And... Uh, the John Hopkins one, the one they mm-hmm. used in research mm-hmm. and you find the most incredible music. Because what I would find when I would go on that journey with intention is I would be brought into all these different healing experiences in tears in excitement. in. But like you've it's like you've lived so many lives and then you sort of come back to mm-hmm. the 3D plane and it's three hours, let's say, later or four hours. And you're like, whoa, I feel like I've just healed so many things and like yeah. felt the pain of someone who needed to be like, I had a couple friends come up in one that, that they like need my help. And I reached out mm-hmm. to them just not saying, Hey, you came up in my mushroom journey, but like just <laughs> reached out to them and, and they did actually need connection and need a conversation mm-hmm. and, and just have intentional time spent with them. And so there's something really, I mean, I, there's something sort of profound, you know, you may, eat, it makes sense that they're called magic mushrooms because yeah. they do, there, when we cannot just call them a drug, and we can maybe uh, start to explore, you know, I, I know it's postulated that one of the giant events that occurred in human development was this massive moment that no one mm. really knows what occurred, but all of a sudden we had this complete evolution of our consciousness, this of like our massive, brains. yeah, right. But like a, what is that moment called? I forget.
1: This is this this this. Well, I know the theory behind it is called the stoned ape theory, which is yeah, that the, that um, that like the apes were the ones that were eating the psilocybin mushrooms. They actually, I mean, this is a theory, but it can give you kind of like um, HD vision. So there's this theory that these apes were were eating the psilocybin and they became the better hunters, right? Because they could see better to to be hunt, getting their food, and so. Because it's it's um, changing our brain so much and, and causing more brain connectivity, they, there's a theory that the psilocybin mushrooms actually helped our brains evolve into human brains from ape brains because the brains continued to get, you know, more advanced as they ate the mushrooms. <laughs> That's pretty amazing. I don't know if it's the same thing you were just referring to, but I think... Yeah,
0: yeah, that there's like yeah. this massive moment right. where all of a sudden we had like what would normally take hundreds of thousands yeah. of years was uh-huh. like a blink in evolutionary history where all of a sudden we're like really advanced. In
1: right. And so courses. think about, and like, isn't that what's so interesting about the censorship of all this stuff? Cause it's like we, these, these substances can cause us to question everything, right. To think about everything in a different way and to not be just under the under the influence of you know the mainstream media and big pharma and again nothing against these things but they are running the show right and if we start to really right. open Literally. things up and start to to utilize these things for our own healing um and these things are being censored um that's that's a pretty interesting thing <laughs> so
0: I it think, really you know, is
1: i think there will be i think it will be huge once once these things once psychedelics become legal in therapeutic settings, which it's already happening, like in Oregon, it's now, it just became legal for use in therapeutic settings. And once that becomes more widespread, I think it's going to be a huge shift in like the mental health paradigm and in the way people are experiencing life. I think it's, I mean, I hope it will be. I hope it will be a huge revolution in the way that we're um, in our consciousness. Yeah, for sure.
0: Especially because we need it from that perspective of when you... Experience that journey, or even the healing experience of any plant, that you feel so connected to mother nature. Like, mm. there's you can't do psilocybin and want to exploit the earth, you can't because on psilocybin, when you're sitting beside a tree, you are like, That tree is me, that tree exactly. is a gift. You know, but nature whenever I is, like, when like, I
1: open my scary. eyes and I and I look at plants during a journey, I'm like, oh, like these plants yeah. are. They are teach they are teachers, you know, they're our medicine, they are our teachers, they want they're like we yes, we all are coming from the same place, right? We're all we're all alive, we're all made up of this consciousness that we have no idea where consciousness comes from, right? We're like, is it coming from the brain? Is it coming from like God? Is it coming from the multiverse? We don't know. And that's one of the most it's like no one knows what the hell is going on, which is kind of amazing if you think about it. We're all just like kind of running around trying to figure it out. But the these plants give us a glimpse into that. And yes, you're right. Like it, it definitely makes us realize like how, how merged, how much we need the earth and the earth needs us. And like, we're all like an interconnected ecosystem and we're just, you know, destroying it. Um, so I do think that the more people can, can do these plant medicines, the more they will be like, oh shit, we need to, um, yeah, protect the earth.
0: I remember, uh, listening to a lecture series from Ram Das where he was talking about his teacher Maharaji mm. and he, Maharaji was saying to him, why do you do so much LSD? And he said, well, when I do LSD, I get to sit down with Christ. Mm. And Maharaji said to him, well, instead of visiting him, why don't you become him? Mm. And <laughs> I always remember that because it's sort of like, uh, you know, we can use these things as a way of, of meeting dimensions, meeting yes, things that we know are there, but through the three D experience, through the socialization that we've had, you know, because it's sort of conceptualized that children are open. You know, it's I remember Alan Watts saying, uh, we sort of wonder what will it like to be here um to to go to sleep and never wake up. And he said, But we never think about what was it like to wake up having never gone to sleep,
1: like Ooh. when we're born. Right. It's
0: like this interesting concept of like the reverse we weren't worried about when we came in here. And I say all of that because I I think it's really when we start to question the frameworks that keep us sort of trapped in the systems that make us want to buy shit and and avoid pain, because the pain is really saying there's more to life. There's more to, you can change, you can be different. Relationships can be different. Love is everywhere. When we're still stuck in the human stuff which is not to dismiss it because it's so biological it's so normal um we're not getting to taste the sort of uh expansive nature that is offered to us and you know when we start to live through that paradigm of like becoming our fully realized self or fully sort of continued expanded self I think we start to feel this sense of lightness and joy that it has always been available to us, but we're sort of, it's interesting how addicted we are to our suffering, which is not to negate circumstances and advantage and privilege and and all of that. um but to sort of invite us beyond it you know in some way
1: right and like what you're saying kind of it alludes to you know the the illusion of security is what keeps people kind of in that construct and like the mainstream societal construct is like if you do these things you will have security and you will be safe and this is kind of the normal way to do things but like there's no guarantees in any of that and then once you once you start to open your consciousness to some of these other things and go on these journeys and explore more of your psyche and and the inner world and what's through that gateway through that portal there's no guarantees there either even less right it's like it's it's not security that you don't know what's going to happen when you start to explore that stuff but i think it's you know it's an interesting life to lead you know to be able to to get in there and um and really see like the the truth of what's going on for you and to be able to heal a lot of those things in new ways. I just, I think we're really right on the precipice of more people having access to that. And I think that's going to be incredibly
0: um, healing. Yeah. It's like we look at the internet and we go, oh, it's this toxic thing that has done da 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 da. But it's also given us access to human consciousness in mm-hmm. a way and information that we would have been geographically sort of limited to, uh, to not be able to access, you know, and and to be able to begin to ask questions on such a different level and to begin to explore things and and relate, like if you've never seen a relationship be super fulfilling or that it's possible or that conversations like this can happen or then how would you know, right? Like you're sort of limited by, you know, you said the media and sort of the myopic lens that we often Mm -hmm. sort of stay stuck within.
1: Right. And like relationships specifically, it's like so much, you can see things in such a different way. Like you said, I think it's really important to reiterate the intention thing that you said to set an intention, you know, with all this talk about psychedelics, like the therapeutic way that they're using these is with a lot of, you know, prep therapy and support afterwards and integration and using the learnings in your own life and having support to do that. So in no way is it just kind of haphazardly like taking a bunch of mushrooms and just seeing what happens, you know, putting, putting an intention into it and being, being therapeutic, being specific is it really, your journey can, can, and will usually go along with, with the intention that you set. I mean, I shouldn't say usually, but it it can happen where it goes along with your intention and you can heal things in relationships. And I've seen things in new ways that I never would have just come up with on my own. I'm like, Oh my God. Oh, I'm so upset about this, this, experience with this person and that their choices that they made and the way that I'm relating to them and I'm so hurt by this person and then you're like oh my god I see this with so much compassion and understanding and actual support so like things that really hurt me I like all of a sudden see in such a new way, and I'm able to relate to that person and say, you know what, that hurt me, but I also see you, I see you and your pain and what you've gone through and your traumas, and the things that have led you to act this way towards me. And I see why I'm acting this way towards you. And I see where it comes from. And I see the relationships that affected me in the past that are triggering me, you're triggering me because of those things, because of that guy from 2004, you know, like, and I didn't know any of that. (laughs) and So it's like, you can, you start to make these connections that can be really Found and leads it to some really amazing healing conversations and relationships where normally you'd close up, but instead you open, and it be, and it mm. creates a deeper intimacy, and and it's really a beautiful thing.
0: Yeah, you were saying earlier the interconnections that happen in the brain, even on micro doses. And I remember reading a study about microdosing of mushrooms where people's like problem solving got so good, like they were solving a problem, like a let's say it's a Sudoku. I forget what they use in the study but it's like, let's say the average solving rate is like 37%. It goes up to like 60 something percent. I can't remember the exact percentages, but yeah. it's significant. Right. And they started to have crazy. Um, I remember they were saying that the people in the study all of a sudden started to solve problems at work that they didn't right. expect to solve in different ways. And um, you mentioned earlier, one thing that I just wanted to uh, sort of touch on is I do find like, I hear a lot of people who are doing, you know, ayahuasca and doing mushrooms but they're sort of doing it at this hyper rate that they're like they they you know it almost seems like an abuse of another substance Mm, do you know what i'm saying have you noticed this
1: yes and you mentioned alan watts earlier and one of the other things that he said is um when you get the message hang up the phone and i love that because it's like about about psychedelics it's like you don't have to do that every day to like learn these things you know you you get what you need and then integration is so important like take what you've learned from these journeys and then um and then integrate it into your life and become a new person through them and practice the learnings in relationships and take whatever you've you know the and have conversations with people and you know one of my friends tonight who he's very um experienced with mushrooms too we always talk about like the mushrooms kind of calling to us and it's like we won't we won't touch them until we feel like a deep call to like do some real deep exploration. And that's not, that's really not something that I personally, I think you can do all that often and still like really be also integrating it into your life in a, in a healthy way. You know, there's a time and place to go deep into exploring that stuff. And then there's a time and place to, to be a human and take those learnings, you know? And so, I mean, to each their own, but I think, I think, doing it more spread out in a way that feels like you're really using it therapeutically. And then, and then integrating is really
0: important. Yeah. I think it becomes this escape from the groundedness or the reality of life. Like I'll go into the solution or I, I mean, I love that quote when you get the message, hang up the phone. Cause I think so much of it is like perpetuates. If you believe that you are broken or you're a problem in the 3d world that it will be you'll continue to seek solutions, you know, because mm-hmm. the seeking of solutions validates that you're a problem as opposed to you finding an answer and then making a change where you have to let go of the identity that uh, that you're fractured or that there's part of you that's broken as opposed Mm -hmm. to like this collective reality that listen, we're all works in progress. That doesn't change. um, But that doesn't negate our responsibility to learn something and change. You know, like I made a rule in my far too late, but I made it in my like mid thirties where I would always live at my highest level of knowledge. Like as soon as I learn something, I have to change in that moment because Mm -hmm. otherwise I'm not honoring the pain of someone else or my own likely both of us that, or just my own too in my own suffering that is teaching me something. And it's like, we, we don't, we repeat patterns because we repeat choices, you know, and, and in the pain of a pattern is the answer to not make the fucking choice again, you know? And so, man, that like, if we, if we are starting to use anything, including sugar, including whatever to escape a feeling, it's, it's not, productive.
1: Yeah, no, totally agree. And I mean if you're doing large doses of of psychedelics, it it can be very psychologically distressing. You know, it's not all like love and light and rainbows and healing. No. It's like you're there's some like real dark painful shit there. So, I don't really know why you'd want to like keep on diving in over and over and over. Right. But yeah, pe- yeah, you're right. It's um it can be easy once you start to explore this stuff to just want to keep exploring and keep exploring and keep exploring, but But yeah, you want to make sure you're not using it as an escape to actually work through your shit, right?
0: Well, now, so I mean, there's so many places that are offering this sort of guided opportunity with licensed professionals, with with medical doctors and et cetera. So, wow. So how do people find out more? Are you writing about this on your blog now? Tell us more. I haven't. I haven't been writing about
1: it. Yeah, I haven't been writing about about it on my blog. I, I kind of after I got done writing the book, I was so burnt out from writing that I've been like, "Whoo, okay, I need to get back into the writing." But yeah, I will I will be writing more about it on my blog. But uh if you I mean wanting to know if you're wanting to know just kind of like a 101 about um about these things, um I write about psilocybin in the book. But, I mean, we've covered most of the one-on-one on, one on one stuff. But there's a lot of great resources out there that, um, that I think maps. If you're like interested in psychedelics, maps maps forward slash research. I think is where they have all the studies that are going on, not only with psilocybin wow. but with
0: like awesome. With we'll all like the, that
1: out with all the different psychedelic research that's going on. Um, there's an amazing resource called Double Blind, and they have some great courses on psychedelics. Um, harm reduction. The Zendo project is doing a lot with harm reduction and, you know, using psychedelics safely. And, you know, there's a lot, there's a lot, um, a lot coming out and there's a lot of wonderful, you know, like you said, retreat centers and institutes that are putting out, you know, community, community support um, and psychedelic practitioner trainings. And, you know, there's tons, tons out there. Um, but I will, I will be reviving my blog with a lot of this content and that's at healthycrush.com. Um, My book is at rebelsapothecary.com. And so those are a couple of places to go. And I mean, I'm on Instagram sharing this stuff a lot. Um, Jenny Sansusi on Instagram.
0: Yeah, we'll make sure we link out your website, your book and your Instagram so people can go find more of you. And is is there anything else you want to leave us with?
1: Well, I guess um, I think that there's, what I'm most excited about right now is kind of the deep dive into the weird shit and I think that a lot more a lot more people are are starting to kind of wake up to the idea that there's another way to think, there's another way to live, there's another way to heal. I think if you're getting that inkling, you know that little that little uh, spark of looking into it, just uh, start the research because there's a lot of amazing people out there doing really wonderful research around this. So keep keep on top of it, and um, there will be many ways to be able to use these things therapeutically in the in the coming years. And so yeah, I'm just looking forward to people people having access to these things and connecting people more with you know the power of plants.
0: Yeah, that invitation to. Just touch the edge of the woo, you know, Mm -hmm. that that, Mm -hmm. I I always think like the first inkling to human, let's call it awakening or just exploration is I feel like there's more to this, there's more to life, there's more to love, there's more to, that's always that you already are aware that there's a potentiality that you're not touching, that someone Mm -hmm. taught you doesn't exist, but you know exists,
1: you know it's there. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that means
0: juiciness,
1: and that's why, like things like this podcast that you're doing is it's so important because someone may be listening to this right now, and this is what gives them that like touching the mirror moment where they're like, oh the way that I've been looking at this maybe isn't wrong, but maybe there's another way. And just to be able to give people that Ah. moment, maybe there's another way. And you know what, I'm going to Google it. I'm going to look it up. I'm going to go on, go on the PubMed. I'm going to go on Reddit. I'm going to like start to kind of go into this rabbit hole. Like that's such an exciting feeling. And it excites me to be able to be part of that process of maybe giving someone that kind of moment. So I just appreciate you hosting this kind of conversation.
0: Ah well thank you for being part of it and I think we lived up to our promise. So I
1: hope so. <laughs> There's more start. but next time we hang out in person we can we can go deeper. <laughs> let's do
0: it. Thanks Jenny. Really appreciate it. Mark,
1: thanks for having me.